You're listening to Back to the Light with J.D. Rieger. Hey everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Back to the Light. I am J.D. Rieger. This week on the show, I get to know new friend Christopher Rubano from the band Trash Goblin on location at the second annual Memphis Listening Lab slash WYXR Record Swap, which was at Crosstown Concourse. Before we do that, there are a few dates on the Back to the Light calendar I'd like to make you aware of. All of these shows are in Memphis. Wednesday, September 21st, 7 p.m. at the High Tone, it's the return of the You Look Like comedy show and podcast. Thursday, September 29th at 6 p.m. at the Memphis Listening Lab, it's a live taping of the Shangri-La Records podcast. And Friday, October 14th, both my new album, Where Wasn't I?, and the new Subteens album I produced, Volume 4, Dashed Hopes and Good Intentions, will be out nationwide. To celebrate, we'll have two big shows in town, Friday night, October 14th at the High Tone, Saturday afternoon, October 15th at Wiseacre downtown. More details to be announced soon. Phew! Now let's head over to Crosstown Concourse. So, uh, swearing okay? Oh, say whatever you want. Okay, alright. Go for fucking broke. Awesome. All right. I'm here so. with Christopher from Trash Goblin. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This is uh, kind of an interesting one for me because we just met like five minutes ago. <laughs> so I, I apologies for, you know, this is going to be kind of a getting to know you sort of thing. But um, previous to Trash Goblin, what, what have you been up to? Like what? What bands were you in? How'd you get into music? How did you get involved in this in this shit? All right, so this is going to be kind of weird. for you, okay, so now awesome. you know it's cool. Yeah, we broke the seal. All right, yeah, I was just a little bit nervous about that because, I mean, you know, radio, like, you can't say fuck or anything. And that's, like, literally my favorite word. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm a loud-ass Dago from Chicago, and uh, I, I can't go more than, like, 10 seconds without swearing, so it, it causes me physical pain. Um, anyway, to answer your question directly... This is literally my first band. I'm 41 years old. Um, we started during COVID. So this is technically year two or three. I don't know. Time's a little iffy at this point. Uh, but um, my first actual like professional project, like I'm classically trained, uh, like weirdo band kid, you know, from high school, an art, art kid from high school and all that. Um, but no, I, I have like a giant chunk of my life where... I was a complete wastrel, um, like just completely fucked up uh, on on booze and whatever I can get my hands on, and like I wound up like not doing anything, and then like the last few years got my shit together and was like finally had the presence of mind and everything to get this project off the ground. Um, so. That was probably a bit deeper than you wanted to go no, in the, the I, intro I, question. I identify with uh, quite a lot of that uh, in different different ways. I, I lost a huge chunk of time to being, you know, drunk and effed up all the time. I also just moved back from Chicago. Uh, so lots lots of things hitting home here. What were you doing? Like, I mean, aside from, you know, being drinking and stuff. Yeah. Like, what was your... Uh, 
you know, what were you up to? Like, what was I doing with yeah, my life? Yeah, what were you yeah. doing with okay. yourself otherwise at that time? Well, like every good elder millennial, um, I graduated college right after the dot-com boom and could not find, like, a career path to save my life. Like, I mentioned I was an art school kid, right? I got a degree in graphic design, like you were supposed to do. Did all of those life milestones, got out of college, and they're like, oh, you want a job? Go fuck yourself, kid. Um... <laughs> So, like, and, you know, being in Chicago, it's like you've got... Um, How uh, long were that? you in Chicago? I mean, I lived there my entire life. And you like, moved to Memphis when? Uh, about six years ago. Okay. Uh, so my partner actually... That's uh, like right when I moved to Chicago. Yeah, So yeah. that's why we didn't meet. Exactly. So, well, I mean, I had to move down here so that we had enough room so that you could move up there. I mean, that's how... It's the reverse blues exchange. That's... <laughs> Um, so you go up there, I come down here, so it all balances out. You know, there's balance in the forest, all that good stuff. Um, but, uh, fuck what were you talking about? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, so I graduated and then, like, just went and I worked in the food service industry. Like, literally everyone in my age cohort, like, you couldn't get a white-collar job to save your ass. And then you just spent, like, all of your 20s, like, eating shit. And then I somewhere... I have an extensive collection of name tags and hairnets. Exactly, yeah. It's like, you know, I never met a counter I could not man. Um, and <laughs> I then, mean, I'm still doing it here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we're literally at a record booth. Shake so, Roll Out Records yeah. is a little cooler than some places, but... Right, yeah. at least you can, you know, tell the Karens where to go. Um, <laughs> and then... Yeah, Sorry to keep derailing no, you. No, no, you're fine. Uh, hey, my brain is three squirrels in a trench coat, so it's all good. Um, and then, yeah, like somewhere around like age 30... My ship came in, fell ass backwards into a white collar job, and then like, turns out I'm really good at talking to people about computer shit. So now I have a job in the tech industry, and no background whatsoever in that. <laughs> talking about computers? I mean, that's, you know, like the super dumbed down version. Um, I'm a technical account manager, which basically is like, I help coordinate the technical aspects of marketing campaigns for like super high level uh corporations wow yeah but you also punk rock on the side and i also do very loud very fast very very colorful music so so what made you decide to start a band after you know what was 39 years of not doing it had um, you been playing all that time yeah i mean you know i suppose you could call it playing um you know but yes yeah i mean i i I had started out classically trained, so like, you know, piano, guitar, um, low brass, actually, was where I really fucking killed it. Like, I almost got to a professional level doing, like, tuba, euphonium, trombone, all that stuff. And I had a decision point, like, do I go into, like, music performance as, like, an actual career, or do I go do something? And even as a 17-year-old, I'm like, that is a sucker's bet. There's no fucking way. Like, what are you going to do with a degree in, in trombone? Like, literally, like, I could start a ska band, because, like, 1997. So, we had no idea the ska bubble was about to burst. So, like, the sky was the limit. Like, everyone was getting bubble. record contracts. Like, there were... There were dumb shit kid uh, bands like coming out of the western suburbs that were getting fucking record contracts that people would only dream of. Yeah. So we're like, oh yeah, sure, yeah, you could do that. You're like a weird band geek that actually liked marching band. Why there, the fuck there not? There was a ska boom in Memphis too. I remember it well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't involved in it, but I had <laughs> one of my best friends was in a ska band called the Scam. The Scam. Oh, that's a the good scam. one. The, the, yeah. The you only scum. have to change the K. There yeah. you go. That's. Yeah. Oh man. That's. I mean, it feels like low-hanging fruit, but I'm mean, like, if it's right there, just you'd be an idiot not to take it. Yeah. 
That's a good one. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I was, yeah, I was practicing and trying to get projects off the ground, but like, I just, I literally could not get out of my own way. And like, literally every project I tried to apply to myself, apply myself to just fucking failed. So, um, 39 years old, got my shit together, quit drinking. And I was like, what am I going to do with all of this extra time and money now that I'm not drinking it away? Um, and I was able to finally have the presence of mind, um, like the, the presence of mind, the time, um, and, and the, like the, the place also is incredibly important. I'm bringing this back down to, to Memphis. Now talking about me, but we're talking about it's Memphis It's a lot now. easier to start a band in Memphis than it is in Chicago. I oh, can God, tell you yeah. that as someone who tried to do it there, like when I was there, Memphis is a great place to start a band. Yes. Yes, I've discovered that. If you can somehow find a band that Seth Moody has not already taken over and is playing all of the instruments in, um, you're going to have a great time. I love you, Seth. I'm poking fun. Like, he's an amazing musician, but, like, no, he does for the sure. most. Him and Graham, but they, yeah. have, but they are in, like, you know, two-thirds of the bands. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm discovering that, like, as I, as I go and, like, I hear about some random band, I'm like, Wait, he's in that one too? Not Seth, but like some random, like one of my friends or somebody. Memphis is a, a notoriously, all, has been for a long time, very incestuous. Everybody yeah. plays and everybody else. It's like, you know, the same 10 guys at every show. Yeah. But I think it's interesting because like you get more of an idea of uh, the person like holistically. Because like when you have a project, like you, you get, I don't want to say pigeonhole, but like you're like, you have a general idea of what the band is and like the sound that you're going to go for. And like it is a package. Like you are, you are making a presentation of this thing, and you can't go too far afield unless that's part of your whole steez. Um, and like you don't get to like if you're really into punk and you're also into like folk, you might not be able to bridge the two. Some people do, some people don't. Um, I'm just picking random sure. adjectives, you know. But like, and then like some maybe you get like weirdo like Hungarian death metal polka, and it fucking works. And then you get like I don't know Gogol Bordello, and then like they get like world famous. Yeah, you know? they're huge. Right. All right, so let's bring it back to Trash Goblin specifically. Okay. It's been a band for two years. Yes. Is this the first recording that's coming out this weekend as we're speaking? Yes. Um, so this is the first like like big boy pants recording that we did. We we had. Uh, released a few self-produced um, I mean we're calling them demos but like I mean we're we're pretty gifted amateurs um, when it comes to uh, the studio um, did you record yourself or? yeah we recorded completely ourselves the, the, the demos we did ourselves and then based off of that we're like man we really need to get like into the studio and do the whole thing like soup to nuts um, and then bad vibes the name of our debut album which is coming out or has come out as of right now. Um, was uh, produced and recorded here in Memphis with Toby Vest and uh, Pete Matthews uh, at Hilo Recording over on Lamar. Um, absolutely amazing studio, absolutely amazing dudes. Um, and I'd love to talk about like the process of like how we came together and put a pin in that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean the the entire the entire process is great, um, and it sounds so good like we used the shit out of that studio oh that's cool yeah well yeah well i mean we don't have to put a pin in it what was okay. it like working with toby um 
I mean, it was so incredibly like I want to use the the word nurturing, like in in a way, because it's like. You know, for somebody like me where, you know, I had been tangential to the recording process, I actually worked for, uh, okay, it's going to make me sound douchey, but I'm just going to put it out there. I actually worked for the Smashing Pumpkins for a little bit. Um, but, uh, like, just in the, like, they had a studio they were building, so I helped build it. That's um, cool. And, like, so I had some familiarity with, like, the, like the, the background stuff. Like, but I'd never actually had a chance to go in and actually use a facility in that way. And, like, I'd seen other people do it, uh, but now it's my time to shine, right? Um, and going through that process and actually being the one in the chair was an incredibly, it was incredibly interesting to me, but also, like, nerve-wracking because I'm, like, racked with imposter syndrome. Like, am I good enough? Like, is this music actually yeah. worthy? Like, yes, I'm here, but I'm paying to be here, you know? And so, like I'm ostensibly the customer, they can't necessarily say no to me on some level. So there's all of these thoughts and like you know uh, insecurities bubbling up. But like as we started to go through, like they were like both Toby and Pete were incredibly welcoming and reassuring in that way, and helped remove a lot of that like the negative thought processes that uh, you know hold one back as an artist. Um, and I think that's incredibly important. That's ultimately part of the reason why we chose to work with them is because of that and then some of the other ways that like when we sat down for the initial meeting um we were like talking about like what's your approach to music how do you approach working with a band like how much input do you want you know like i love talking about like the nuts and bolts of like the behind the scenes stuff so yeah um like that i love geeking out about that shit so i can go for fucking years
You've just heard This Is Your Life Now by Trash Goblin from the new album Bad Vibes. Now let's get back to the record swap. How experimental did you get in the studio? Because I, mean, I haven't heard the recording yet, so I'm flying a little bit blind. Um, it's uh, It was interesting. We definitely got a bit more experimental than I think we were really anticipating because we were given a lot more canvas than I mean, they have I a thought, lot of toys in that studio. Yeah. Oh, Lord, yeah. Um, yeah. Nobody is ever allowed to give away the... Uh, the address of the door code because like there there's some treats and there is a mellotron from the 70s and it's on our record oh and that's like, super cool yeah. yeah i actually haven't been in that studio since it was over on cleveland but just like down the street from where we're at right now mm -hmm. so but i but i'm i i hear the new space is beautiful yeah it's yeah. it's absolutely and mid-century modern dream like there's like, it's well appointed it's just comfortable it's the kind of place where you walk in you immediately feel at ease um but uh, yeah, no, like the, all the toys, like we have like a pocket piano and like Mellotron and all of these like goofy ass little synths. They have like a, um, a stylo, Stylotron, Stylo something or another. It's the shit from uh, Space Oddity, Bowie Space Oddity. That like little crazy. Yeah, it's it was wild. It sounds like a theremin on crack. Um, and so we get to use all these things. Um, and, you know, it was. It was all autochthonous. It was all like ideas that we had had together. But, you know, ultimately, when you're a three piece on the stage, there's only so much stuff that you can do. So, like, our live presentation is much more stripped down, a little bit more punk. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Stephen, my guitarist, Stephen uh, Hutchinson Turner, also a big clown and uh, late night cardigan, two amazing bands that. If you're not paying attention oh, to, yeah. you absolutely need to. I actually just bought that late night cardigan tape yesterday. Oh, you did? Yeah. It is, without a doubt, one of the most beautiful albums I've heard yeah, in a I long love time. That thing. Yeah, we uh, we should talk to him at some point. Absolutely. Oh, it's yeah. Maybe maybe talk uh, to Casey. Yeah, I was about to, who, yeah. Yeah, Casey is a, a bit more gregarious. I love Stephen to death, but um, he's he's very shy and very reserved. So um, that's cool. Sometimes you know, maybe in a quiet setting, you know, yeah. maybe yeah. whatever. But um, yeah, I, lo I love that. Um, I love that late, late night cardigan. Yeah, he's tape. that's great. He's absolutely like. A secret weapon, like, and I wanted to work with Steven so bad. I, well, let, let's let's take a step back then. So, it's not just me. I don't. Uh, it's not just like the the, the Chris Rubano show. Um, there's three of us. Uh, uh, Charles Davis, who's been in a shit ton of bands, uh, Native Memphian. Uh, he started out in uh, the Cool Dips way the hell back in the day. I remember them. Um, and a few others, I think, around that time frame. But he moved away interestingly enough to chicago started the detachment kit and that was like part of that sort of like emo like yeah. early indie scene so um he did that they so they moved to chicago and then they moved to uh to brooklyn to like really make a decent go of it and uh they were i think it put out a few albums um and uh they Unfortunately, they broke up, and then uh, he joined another band, Bronze, that um, was around for a hot minute, but uh, I don't think really uh, hit their quite hit their potential. Um, and my understanding is that there's there's more than one band named Bronze. So yeah, probably the one. If you're like, oh, I know that band, it's probably not the one you're thinking of. Because <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a recent one that came up, like I was fucking around on Spotify, and one came up, I think they're out of California or something hmm. like that. It's not that one. Okay. Um, but... Uh, Anyway, yeah, fantastic multi-instrumentalist. He primarily plays drums and percussion, incorporated a little bit of world percussion in. 
but not in like a lame sort of like we're gonna go like to borders and drink cappuccinos in because it's 1999 way kind of not way. in a in a yeah. in a smooth world music sort of right. way yeah yeah nobody's wearing puka shells here at all <laughs> um but yeah he's been fantastic and because he's been through the ringer multiple times he's been sort of like like the ben kenobi through this whole thing like a very very like uh very happy very up kind of ben kenobi so he's like he's a very like intense kind of guy um, and so, like, when we, like, ping-pong ideas off of each other, it's just like, holy shit, like, these guys, I don't know, need a nap or something. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Steven. Steven Hutchinson-Turner is a guitarist. We also mentioned the two bands he's in. Absolutely fantastic. Like, one of the most, like, weird experimental guitarists, like... He kind of reminds me of, uh, like, if y'all have heard uh, anything that Zach Course has been doing with, like, Nankana, sure. reminds me a lot of that, or, like, sort of... Zach's been on the on the podcast. Yeah, super cool dude. Like, he, like, blows our minds on a constant basis. Um, so, like, he's, he's incorporating that sort of, like, that slint, uh, like, a lot of, like, explosions in the sky, that sort of, like, really expansive, verbed all the way out, kind of kind of uh, feel um, and then Charlie and I have like a very gritty very locked in um, approach because like Charlie's got this sort of like electro clash kind of feel to his drumming and I'm coming from like more of like a wax tracks Chicago industrial kind of feel and like when you put all those together like it makes no sense but like when you hear it stacked up on top of each other it's like holy shit I'm gonna die tonight it's, it's kind of a weird question, maybe, but is it what you thought it would be? Like, do, playing in a band? Uh, a bit, yeah. Yes and no. I mean, I, I suppose that's probably the answer everyone gives. But, I mean, yes in that, like... It's just so hard for me to it, even... But, I've been doing this since I was, like, since I could think. Like, I've been yeah. playing drums since I was, like, five or something. My dad was a musician, so I grew up around it. And I, mm-hmm. my first gig I played when I was like 12 or 13 in my yeah. dad's band. It seems like it would be really refreshing, like kind of in a way to approach it. I mean, kind of the way I've approached podcasting later in life. It's <laughs> like, I guess I'm kind of like, there, there are times when I'm sick of music, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I wish and I was as excited about it. I mean, so, all right. There's... Okay, so there's a joke out there that everyone knows, or maybe everyone knows. Uh, you know, I like everyone hates group projects, right? Like, you know, you go through school and everyone's like, "Oh God, we're doing another group project." But like, being in a band is different. It's like the joke is, uh, I want my like the whatever people that you worked on a, a group project with, I want them to be at my funeral and be my pallbearers so they can let me down one last time. That's that's not quite what being in a band is like because like. I mean, yes, there are bands. There are absolutely bands like that. I've had some. I've had some times like that. Okay, to be <laughs> to be real, I have too, but not with this band. Like yeah. I, I've, I've seen the writing on the wall and been like, hey, you know what? It's been real, but no. Um, but no, with the, with this band, like it's it's an incredible partnership, and I'm not I'm not trying to do that Hollywood thing where like we all talk each other up and and fluff each other. Um, like I, I absolutely would not have wanted to do this with any other group of people, um, 
And I want to pause here and also, there was one person I, I forgot to mention. Danny Hordensby uh, was actually uh, one of the original members of uh, Trash Goblin. He's a fantastic dude. He moved to Minneapolis about this time last year. Um, he was our original guitarist and um, he was sort of foundational in getting this off the ground for uh, recruited Steven. Important to recognize. Uh, yeah, Im very important. He's, he's an absolutely dear, dear friend. And if ever there was a person who would achieve like bodhisattva status in this life, it's it's Danny fucking Hornsby. Like that man is absolutely the most beautiful soul I've ever met in my life. Anyway, um, sounds like Memphis's loss. Yeah, um, it's yeah. He's he's the coolest dude I've ever met. Um, but to answer your question, to go back to what you were saying before, Squirrel Brain. Um, yeah, there's absolutely challenges and stresses, and I'm sure that if you asked Charlie and Steve, they'd be like, Chris can absolutely be a huge fucking bitch. And, you know, it's like, there are times when, like, everyone probably annoys everyone else, but it's how you resolve the conflict, how you come together, and ultimately, like, approaching things with a level of respect, um, and understanding that, like, everyone's human, everyone makes mistakes, and at the end of the day, you have a responsibility to the project and also, you know, recognizing, um, like your, like your fellow travelers, like in this project and, you know, however, like whatever bullshit comes up or whatever stresses you encounter or, uh, personal differences, like understanding how to work through those and that interpersonal skill set is is uh is incredibly important and thankfully because we've approached this all three of us are, are older than your typical band members we're not 20 or 25 we've developed this emotional intelligence elsewhere in our lives and we're able to bring that so that like when we are like being you know maybe a little bit stressed out we can take a step back and be like hey sorry i'm being a dick and then we can proceed and then on the flip side of that the collaboration that we do together is mind-blowing like we will walk into a jam and like instantly be like there was one jam we we came out of a, a, a recording session we have like three song nuggets we're like that's we're halfway through like writing the sketch for our second album for for fuck's sake you know yeah days like that are awesome yeah going back to you know navigating you know the interpersonal issues of being in a band I couldn't help thinking that also that, you know, being more clear-headed has got to help with that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the work Could you imagine doing this, you know, in the previous version of yourself? Oh, no. <laughs> really not. I mean, I mean, it's twofold. Like, first of all, like, when you are deep into the rut of substance abuse, like, you are not going to be able to get out of like that that miasma that just permeates your life and it, it really does poison just about everything you touch um but beyond that like and, and you have these like enormous blinkers on or blinders i'm sorry um but beyond that like the process of over overcoming that requires so much introspection and you know and it almost it, it, it sounds ironic to say humility, um, but it requires you to take a step back, remove your ego from a situation. And that process of making amends to the people that you've hurt requires you to say, like, I have been an asshole to you, and I am sincerely sorry. 
And the only way that you can actually show somebody that you are, you know, truly regretful of your actions is to not fucking do it again. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to say, like, I'm sorry that I, like, came home drunk and yelled at you. And then, like, it doesn't mean anything if you do that next week. Like, you have to not do that. And so that process of learning about yourself and going through all of that is enormously helpful in every possible aspect of your life. It's not easy to work your way through there, necessarily. Oh, hell no. No. But ultimately rewarding. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean... I'm in danger of, of, you know, making this like a 12 step, uh, you know, podcast, but like, I mean, I'm very open about it. I mean, I'm, I, I am can't too. be, That's, you yeah. know, like, how do you, how do you hide that? Such an essential part of your person. Owning it as part of getting through it, over yeah. it, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Living and, with it. And I mean, like I, the one thing I always come back to is like, you know, I've tangential to that, like you know, substance abuse for me was always like a mask to help cope with uh, a lot of mental health issues that I've struggled with my entire life. Um, ultimately, one of the phrases that I picked up over the years um, that I love and apply in multiple different areas is, um, in this case, the quote is, mental health issues are not your fault, but they are your responsibility. So I think it's a good thing if you broaden that perspective, like, Something may be beyond your control, but you still, the onus is still on you to understand what part of that can you control? Do you have an obligation to control that aspect of it? And are you, by uh, delegating or um, neglecting. neglecting it, are you making the situation worse? And so therefore, do you have a moral obligation to step in and do something in that situation? Yeah. So that's, that's how I'm trying to present the second act second and third act of my life you know so well I'm, I'm glad there is a second act for both of us thanks yeah usually it's like the behind the scenes or behind the music uh, episode is like yeah the music was great and then they got sober and then it's shit but <laughs> hopefully for me it's the exact opposite yeah I'm hoping the same is true I mean I, I don't want I don't think my old music is shit necessarily but um, I think my new stuff is at least you know, less of a drag to listen to. <laughs> yeah, that's that's always what you hope because it's like you know you need that that excitement and that uh, uh, I don't know that that joie de vivre and like I think that 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 folks who get a little bit too far down that pipeline like there's an there's a there's a point at which like that pipeline no longer yeah. kind of does the thing that you want it to do yeah and it just it gets too chaotic for sure. <laughs> Chris, this was really fun. Thank you for stopping by the booth. Thank you so much for having uh, having me, having us, the Royal We, you know. And now, tell where do we find Trash Goblin music? Uh, okay, so we are on Spotify, we are on YouTube Music, we are on Tidal, uh, and we paid extra to have the super special master level whatever doohickey on there so you can really blow your eardrums away. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm missing one there. Specifically not on Deezer, because what the fuck is that anyway? Um, put it up on TikTok and Instagram. So if you've got some reels out there that you need a good soundtrack to, I highly recommend Greasy Beast. It is an instrumental. So trying to knock that oh, no, no, no song out from TikTok sounds. <laughs> fucking hate that thing. Like, literally, like, every time you go on a reel, it's like, you hear that thing, it's like anti-Pavlov's dogs. But... 
it's it's terrible. I'll, I'll support your uh, your yeah, campaign. Regardless. I guarantee, you, like I guarantee you, you know exactly. As soon as you hear it, it's just like oh. Um, we're also on Bandcamp. Um, we have download cards that we're that we're selling live. We will eventually have cassettes because the vinyl pipeline is hot garbage juice in the sun right now. So that's what we got. Um, yeah. Hopefully one day. Uh, if the stars align, we get picked up by a label, we might be able to get, uh, press a vinyl. That's bucket list number two, I think. Well, when you get some CD or uh, cassettes, bring them, bring them to the shop. We'll sell them at Absolutely. Absolutely. That, right thank on. you so much. Thank you, Chris. Awesome. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Very much. That's the show. Thanks to Chris and Trash Goblin. Thanks to engineer Eric Wilson. And thank you for listening. Our opening theme is Arthur with two H's. Our closing theme is Joey Pegram. Thanks, y'all. For music, news, episode archives, and other fine podcasts, visit backtothelight.net. And until next time, take care, y'all. of the Back to the Light podcast network at backtothelight.net.